You mean you did not enjoy the 24 hours of Christmas story <laughs> on Christmas Day? I didn't see it. I don't get network TV, so I didn't. Ah, that's yeah. true. Yeah, well. I'm stuck with Netflix. Uh, it probably came on there. Yes. Yeah. Well, um, you know, have you ever had the feeling, um, like me, that sometimes you think to yourself, a world without people sounds pretty pretty amazing. <laughs> people can make the world tough. You know what I'm saying? Uh, have you ever had the thought, my day would be so awesome if it weren't for people? <laughs> How many of you, nod your head or raise your hand, have ever had a thought similar to that? And I'm not alone. Sir, at least Cole and I, I know we're not alone. Um, I have had those thoughts as well, sometimes frequently, sometimes less frequently, but we've all had them. We've all said that. Because as I go through this life, if you're anything like me, I, I think I'm right a lot. I feel that way. And you probably do too. You probably feel like you're right or you have a good grasp on things. Um, we think that we, it, we make things less complicated, you know, not more complicated. We think that if everyone would just simply do the things the way we want them to do it, that it would be okay and it would turn out at least better. And we think, ah, oh, if it weren't for people. <laughs> but I have to remember this. I am someone else's people. Yeah, we, I, I'm, I'm right there with you. 100% all over that. I, I've made that statement a thousand times, especially over the last seven plus years. Um, but I, I, we are all, like you just said, we're all someone else's people. We all, um, there's something about all of us that tends to make things more complicated for someone else. And I promise you, even... You're sitting there, and you're, you, you may be thinking, no, nah, not me. I, I'm not that person. But I, and I'm not trying to burst anyone's bubble, but we're all that person. We all are that person where there's somebody in our life that has probably at some point or another thought, man, if it, if it really, it would just be a whole lot simpler if they would just do what I wanted them to do. Or, man, my life would just be a heck of a lot more awesome if it wasn't for that person Maybe not all the time, but at this moment. It's just we're all in, have been in that situation, found ourselves in that situation at one point or another. So if most of the world is thinking that way, if most of the world, and I really all of the world, is thinking along those lines, then we really don't have a people problem. We have an us problem. We have a me problem. Not really a them problem. It's a me problem. I've got a me problem. Um, and at the end of the day, the root of a me problem, the root of this problem, ultimately it comes down to the S word. Selfishness. That's what it comes down to. It's really what we've been talking a lot about over the course of the last four weeks, and we're going to wrap up today. It, it really comes down to selfishness. I want what I want. I want what or how I want it, and I want it when I want it, and most often that would be now. You know, I want what I want, I want it now. We have a selfishness problem, and it happens everywhere. Every avenue of our life, we have this problem. Whether it be at home, we have a selfishness problem. At work, we have a selfishness problem. At school, we have a selfishness problem. Some, you know, at least when school starts back up next week, some parents are like, thank you, Jesus. School's starting back up. And some parents are like, oh, you know, I kind of like the break. I kind of like sleeping in at 10 o'clock every morning, or whatever the case may be. Um, but, you know, we, we have a problem 
with selfishness. Um, it, it even happens in this building. It even happens at church here at Stuttgart Harvest Church. We have a selfishness problem. It, it can happen. We're, we're going to have small groups that will be starting up here in a few, few weeks. We have selfishness problems in those small groups. It is a problem that is rampant in all avenues of our lives. It's just part of who we are. It's part of our culture here, uh, here in the world we live in today. And it's a problem that Paul understood very well. It was a problem that Paul understood to the point that that's the reason he is writing this letter to the church at Philippi that we've been talking about now for five weeks that we're, we're talking about again today. Paul's not writing this letter to um, a city. You know, he wasn't writing it to the, to, to the city of Philippi. He actually was writing to the church at Philippi. And so Paul's not writing this letter that we've been reading. It wasn't being written to the city of Stuttgart. Paul was literally writing it to Stuttgart Harvest Church. Yeah, and as Paul was looking at that church in Philippi, he, you know, he was seeing this disease of me first itis. And it starts out with an itch. <laughs> they start to scratch it, and it spreads like poison ivy. It was starting to break down this church and to, to, and to begin, and he just saw the danger in that. He knew that eventually that would kill the church. And he knew how contagious it was. He knew how fast it would spread. So Paul wrote these words to a group of people called the Church of Philippi. And, and these are the verses that you have become familiar with in this series. Let me read over a few of these very quickly. Philippians chapter 2, Paul writes in verse 3. He says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Now what I'm getting ready to say is going to sound very, very obvious, but I don't want you to rush past this phrase. Ready? Here it is. Only one person can go first. When you're standing at a door, only one person can go through that doorway first. When you're stepping uh, up to a line at lunch, only one person can go first. When you're deciding who's going to talk and who's going to listen in your conversation, only one person can talk first. And, and when two people disagree and, and there seems to be no compromise, only one person is going to get their way. So either... I allow you to go first, or I go first. Now, please don't miss this. If I go first, and I make you wait, there's a potential for conflict. But, if I let you go first, there's a potential for relationship. And in God's economy relationship, even just the potential for a relationship, that takes precedence over me going first. Now, demanding my own way, what I want, what I want, when I want, how I want, demanding my own way, it's, it's never going to advance a relationship. And a relationship will never get beyond an initial stage if I'm always demanding my own way. 
It's just not going to happen. You can think about any relationship that you have ever experienced, whether it be of an intimate variety, just a a friendship, any relationship that you ever had. As soon as that relationship, it became obvious that the other person was going to demand their own way in every single avenue, good chance that relationship did not advance very far. If it did, you probably look back on it and say, kind of wish it hadn't. You know, it just, it's hard to ever see in a relationship advance when we have to have our way in every single situation. In fact, the contrary is true. Um, it, it, there's, when I focus strictly on my rights and what I want, I don't really have the ability to advance any type of, or have and maintain any type of a long-term relationship. Because selfishness is the enemy of relationship. And ultimately, selfishness is going to destroy pretty much every relationship that we have, whether those relationships be inside of a family. Uh, and, and again, many of you right now are sitting and you're thinking about instances or examples of that in your own life or in your own families. Selfishness within families destroy relationships. Selfishness uh, within friendships destroy relationships. Selfishness within teams of, uh, maybe in teams at work or teams uh, in in different avenues of life destroy relationships. And and selfishness within churches. It, It destroys relationships within churches. Selfishness destroys relationships. Now last week Harley talked about um, the best example that we can possibly have of how a relationship or an example of what a relationship should look like or how um, a relationship should look. And he talked about the example that was set by Jesus and how Jesus had a servant's attitude and how Jesus was the opposite of selfish and how that should be the um, example that we should strive for. And Paul echoed a lot of that, or maybe I should say Harley echoed Paul to some degree. In some of the, what we've been talking about in, in the scriptures that we've been reading, verse 5, Paul writes in his letter, he says, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Now, why did Jesus choose to make himself a servant? Why did Jesus choose to make himself a human? You know, throw all, put on human form to die a criminal's death on a cross. Well, he did that to defeat the eternal consequences of sin so that you and I can have a relationship with God. But it's, it's even deeper than that. It's even more than that. Because through what Jesus did, it gave me the ability to submit to Him. And then beyond that, it gave me the ability, as after I've become a follower of Jesus, and after I've made that decision to submit to Him, it gave me the ability to become, if I choose, to become more and more and more like Jesus. And less and less and less like the selfish person that I was born to be. Now, today, we've got two final uh, verses that we're going to add to this long list of Scripture that we've talked about over the last five weeks, but we're kind of going to throw you a curveball. We're going to switch it up a little bit because we are going to end this series at the beginning. 
All right, cool, right? We're going to begin, or we're going to end at the beginning. We're going to wrap this five-week series, Christmas Dare Up, with the first two verses of, of Paul's, uh, the second chapter of Paul's letter to the church at Philippi. And the reason that we did that, the reason we skipped the first two verses is because, well, several reasons, but mainly because these two verses, we feel like, wraps up our 2019 as well as any verses could. And even more so than that, it will launch us, or could potentially, launch us in to Stuttgart Harvest Church's 2020 as good as any scripture we could possibly do. So that's the reason we skipped verses 1 and 2. Because we want verses 1 and 2 of chapter 2 of Paul's letter to the church at Philippi to end our 2019 and to launch us into 2020. So this is what Paul, um, this is what Paul said, and, and I want to kind of set the scene a little bit. This first verse that Paul is, he pins here, the first verse of chapter 2 of Philippians, Paul's going to kind of list off some questions. And he's going to basically ask the church at Philippi, so we could say the same thing. He's asking the church in Stuttgart, Stuttgart Harvest Church. He's going to ask some questions. He's going to ask these questions from the context of, since you became a follower of Jesus, since you chose to make Jesus the boss of your life. Have you experienced these things? Are these things true in your life? And he's going to go through some, uh, some questions. So he's going to start, Philippians chapter 2, we're going to start in verse 1. So his first question, Paul says, Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Question mark. He asks a question. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Well, yeah, I would say so. I think... The church at Philippi would say, yeah, I, I think we could experience that. He goes on, and he, he continues on. He says, is any comfort from his love? Have you experienced comfort? Yeah, Paul, I, I think so. I, I think we have. I think we've experienced comfort at times in our lives. There's, there's been some tough stuff. There's been some hard times, and I think we've experienced comfort as a result of being a follower of Jesus. He goes on, any fellowship together in the Spirit? Once again, yeah, I think so. I think as we're growing uh, Paul, as we're going closer together and as we're, we're journeying, we're walking on this journey following Jesus, I think we've experienced um, fellowship. And then he goes on, are your hearts tender and compassionate? Well, you know, probably so, yeah. I think so. I think as, again, as we're journeying, Paul, we're experiencing a change and we're becoming more tender and we're becoming more compassionate, at least we're trying anyway. So Paul asks these questions. Are you experiencing encouragement? since becoming a follower of Jesus? Are you experiencing compassion and tenderness? Uh, are you experiencing comfort? And he, he kind of runs down this list of things that just, you know, are you experiencing these things? And then Paul kind of throws down the hammer a little bit in verse 2. He challenges the church at Philippi, and in doing so, he challenges us. He challenges Stuttgart Arbor's church. He gives them a dare. He dares them. He gives them what is our final Christmas dare for 2019. The final Christmas dare for, for Stuttgart Harvest Church in verse 2. And this is what he says. Okay, so basically he's saying if all these things are true, if you've experienced encouragement and comfort and tenderness and compassion and all those things that I've already listened, or listed, then, verse 2, then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and, and catch this, and working together with one mind and purpose. Yeah, so as we look at that verse, that those two verses, this passage, I believe this is God's plan 
for a church. That we are agreeing wholeheartedly with one another. And you know, to do that, it will take this, it will take for us selflessness to the level that Jesus expressed it. And then Paul says it's going to be loving one another with kindness and compassion. And for us to do that, it takes selflessness to the level that Christ expressed it. Then he says working together. That will take selflessness to the level that Christ expressed it. And then he said this big one, with one mind and purpose. And that too takes selflessness to the level that Jesus expressed it. And I believe that we express all of those things best when we can take our eyes off of ourselves, even off of our hurts and our pains and our struggles, and place them on other people through service. And I'm going to say very clearly on a serving team. Even serving with your children. I love it when children are serving with their parents at Stuttgart Harvest Church. When teenagers are serving with their parents at Stuttgart Harvest Church. I, I love to see that side by side with your family. Even, maybe even serving on teams, serving teams with other people out of your small group. You see, serving on a serving team is just a tool. And I believe God often uses that tool to help us take our eyes off of ourselves and place them on other people. I need it. I need that. You need that. Our kids even need that. And it doesn't happen by chance, though. We don't just kind of stumble into a serving team. It, it happens when we make a conscious decision. We make a choice to do it. I'm going to serve. And for me, and some of the things that I'm going to talk about for the next few minutes, I'm kind of just really talking about my experience, the experience that I have. I'm not necessarily uh, saying that this is your experience. This is my experience, and maybe you say, yeah, kind of me too. I kind of experienced that as well. This is my experience. I know me personally. There is a direct correlation to the impact that God has on my life and on my future and the size of the investment that I make in serving. So the amount of time and effort and resources that I put into serving His creation just seems like there's a direct correlation to the direction that my life and my future goes. And that the way that God has called and really equipped me and, and all of us, because God's equipped all of us in very different ways. We all have different skills and we all have different abilities. I'm, I am the absolute worst. Uh, I'm, I'm horrible handy. I'm not a handyman. I'm not a crafty person. You know, I, I'm just not. You are. I'm crafty, but I'm not handy. You're well, a million times handier than I don't. I, I, don't I don't think so. But I appreciate <laughs> but wait, that. But case in point, you should have seen us hanging the door that... Yeah, Ken I was built. real handy in that process. It was <laughs> terrible. Too. It only took us taking it down three times before we got it right. Ken built this beautiful door, and it, 
and we we, then... we screwed it up almost. <laughs> we took it apart. But anyway, that has nothing. No, it actually does have something to do with it. We have no skills. We are not equipped for that type of service, but some are. And God equips us with different areas of service. And God expects us to empty ourselves out in serving just like he did. And the result, as we empty ourselves out, is we're then filled. And as we empty ourselves out, we're filled. We're filled with encouragement, uh, comfort. And again, I'm just speaking personally. I, I can't tell you how you are going to feel or what you are going to experience. I don't know what Harley's going to experience. I can tell you what I experience. Encouragement, comfort, love, uh, tenderness, compassion. That's what Paul's talking about. Um, and it happens as we serve with the right attitude, with a selfless attitude. Not me first, but you first. Again, Paul's uh, kind of his whole Christmas dare, his whole purpose for what he's writing. Verse 2 of Philippians chapter 2. Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. Yeah, here's a fear that I have. If we become a church that exclusively focuses on Cole and I dispensing information in environments like this that are designed to attract people into this room. But if that is our exclusive focus, coming in here and us dispensing information, then we're really only adding to the sin of selfishness. And in the process, we're creating a selfish church that will also soon just die from the poison of selfishness. If we have led anyone to believe that this church is here to minister to them, that that's why it exists, that this is what church is about, them arriving and maybe getting pumped up with some encouraging music and a challenging teaching, and, they, and the purpose is for them to leave feeling better, then there's no wonder that people leave churches thinking, it is about me. And so when that church doesn't meet my needs anymore, then I'm going to go over here and get my needs met over here. No wonder we have that feeling of thinking, if this is the room and it becomes about what happens in this room. Most people, at least in our experience, most people do not serve God by serving others. And a big reason for that is because we say, I just don't have time. Because it takes a lot of time. There's a lot of investment. There's investment of a lot of different resources in serving others. Time being the number one resource. And so often we, we just don't have time to do it. We say, I just don't have time. Uh, there's just not enough hours in the day. I've got to work. I've got school. I've got, you know, we can go down the list of the different areas that, that are taking uh, time out of our daily life. And, and let's face it, time is a precious commodity, and, and, and it is limited. No question about that. We're not, not saying that it's not. And there are, very, there are so many things out there that are, that are valid uses of our time and, and worthy of our time. So we're certainly not taking away the importance of work and the importance of school and the importance of, uh, of, of your families and, and nothing. We're, we're in no way are we saying that. But 
I just, again, speaking from my experience, and, and that's all I'm speaking from right now is from my experience. I know that for me, and, and this, was a, this was something I did, and this was a challenge that I would maybe give you as well. There's two areas of my life that, I, that when I looked at it relatively closely, I really was able to say, wow, these are the areas that I'm really spending a lot of my time. I'm really expending some of my resources. And, and what I did, I looked at my calendar, and I looked at my bank account. And I have a, I have a Google calendar. I don't know if anybody does, does the Google thing, but I've got a Google calendar. And my Google calendar has all of my stuff in it. I mean, it's got uh, my, my work schedule in it. It's got my, my home schedule in it. It has my it's everything. It's got everything. If I'm, going to be, if I'm going to the movies on Friday night at 7 o'clock, it's going to be in that Google calendar. I just I, I like to have a calendar. I like to keep up with that stuff. And so I, I, I looked at my calendar. And, I, and I, one of the things that jumped out at me, I, and, and you can really tell what's monopolizing your time with, with my calendar. I really could. And so here's what I realized. I realized that the things that monopolize my time based on a real heavy look at my calendar was number one, work. Work monopolized a lot of my time. Hunting monopolized a lot of my time. Arkansas Razorback activity. Not necessarily going to games. Not necessarily just watching it on television. Uh, you know, some online message boards and things of that nature. You know, I got a lot of different things, a lot of different avenues, Arkansas Razorback activities, and um, entertainment. Just call it entertainment, going to the movies, things like that. But those four areas monopolized a ton of my time. Work, uh, hunting, Arkansas Razorback activities, and entertainment. That were the four things that monopolized the majority of my time. And when I looked at that, I was like, wow, that's really zapping a lot of my I hate to use the word giftedness because I don't have a lot of giftednesses, abilities, and whatnot, but it was zapping a lot of the very limited talent that I have. Um, and it was definitely, it is, I shouldn't say was, is uh, zapping a lot of my energy and, and passion. And then the other thing that I looked at was my bank account. And you look at your bank account, or when I looked at my bank account, it made me realize the areas that it was zapping my resources. And again, it was amazing kind of lined up. It, it lined up what, the areas that I was spending my money on. And, and again, I'm just speaking from my experience, but I would encourage you to do that, to maybe look at whatever, you know, maybe it's a calendar for you, maybe it's not a calendar, I don't know. But I would encourage you to do that and to see what is taking away your time resources, your financial resources, and that'll really tell you where you are spending a lot of your resources, a lot of your time, and taking a lot of your passions and taking a lot of your, uh, taking a lot of your energies. And I think we would probably be amazed at what we really consider important. Because if we're going to be people, if we're going to be people who are going to put others first like Jesus did, and I'm speaking to myself right now, I'm not this is me. This is 100% me. If I'm going to be somebody who's going to put others first the way Jesus did, then I'm going to have to figure out a way to reserve some space in my life to serve God. I've got to, I've got to figure out how to make that happen. Um, now, not saying that we have to stop everything in life. Jesus is not asking us to stop working. He wants us, in fact, to give our absolute best at work. We're not saying to quit school. Jesus wants us to give our absolute best at school. He's not saying to quit having friends and to stop having relationships. The exact opposite is true. He wants us to have 
our best in our relationships. So when Cole, Cole is saying here to reserve some time in our schedule, he's not saying that uh, this is just going to show up. We really, to have this empty space, we've got to create empty space in our schedule for God. And it has to be created because it's not just going to show up. Any empty space we have will always be filled up either by us or by someone else. So we have to create this empty space. You could call it margin. You know, there's a reason why on paper there's a margin. And so we start writing into the paper. You know, we give ourselves room, space margin. And in our calendars, in our schedules, in our resources, we have to create margin, empty space. And it's designed, that empty space for us is designed for God because we will not stumble into serving like Paul is talking about. It's just not going to happen. So margin on our lives, uh, this space to serve that doesn't just happen. Let me give you a mathematical e equation for margin. And here's what it looks like. Taylor's going to put it on the screen. So we have power over here on one side. So power minus the load that is placed upon that power is going to equal margin. So if the load, if the load is less than the power... That means there is some margin, some space. But if the load is equal to the power, it means there's nothing less. So let me tell you how that works in our lives. So let's, let's take you for example. All of your gifts, your abilities, and your energy, together, that is your power. All right? Your gifts, your abilities, and your energy. That's your power. Now, from your power, subtract the load that you're carrying. So we're going to subtract your time constraints and your schedule. So subtract that from your gifts, your abilities, your talents. Subtract the load you're carrying with your schedule, and there's your margin. For most of us, they ain't nothing left. It's, we're empty. At that point, once the load is subtracted from the power, the margin is zero for most of us. I think most of us sitting in this room right now would say, I mean, what is one of the most popular statements in the American culture today? Man, I sure am busy, right? Busyness is almost a statement of there's a pride that comes with being busy. Just lack of margin. And I should also say that if you notice... In my calendar, every single item in my calendar, who did it revolve around? Me. Are you laughing? Think that's funny? <laughs> it all revolved around me. It was all about me. Every one of the items that I found in my calendar revolved around me, I. We've got to lighten our load somehow if we're going to find margin any time to serve God. Can I throw something sure. in? Because I think also... When we say me, I, I could almost also say me and my family. Mm -hmm. Everything there, it's me and my family. And, it, and so we're not talking about just getting out of sight of me and including my kids. Right. We're talking about even jumping outside of that box. Right, right. Mm. But 
We've got to find a way to subtract some of that load if we're going to have time to serve God. And it's not going to happen by itself because here's what I will do. If I subtract that load left to my own devices, I'm going to add and add and add me and my family. And I'm just going to leave God out. And I mean, because we've all done it. You know, I've got a Monday open. I've got a Monday night open. What am I going to do? You know, I'm going to go to the I'm going to go to the movies, or I'm going to go to the game, or I'm going to fill in the blank. I mean, everybody's different. We have to subtract in order to add, but we've got to do it in a way asking ourselves that question of how can I serve God's creation. Um, there's some, in fact, there's some guiding questions that I think we 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 can ask. We can ask ourselves, or I can ask myself: Is there an activity that I need to stop, or that I need to slow down, or is, is there something that I need? to kind of put the brakes on? Is there an activity that you need to put the brakes on a little bit? Um, is there a relationship or maybe a friendship that, you know, maybe you need to kind of slow down on a little bit or put the brakes on? Um, is there something in my life or in your life or our life that, um, you know, maybe needs to be a little bit less of a priority because it's just taking up too much of that load. It's taking up too much resource. There's too many resources being given to that thing. Um, and look, we're not saying, again, that we're, it's going to be easy. It's not. It's going to be very, very hard. Change is hard, especially for people who are not used to changing. Change is hard. But if we want to serve God and serve others, we've got to figure out a way to maintain some margin. Because margin is the cure for that, that word that we mentioned a few minutes ago, busyness. Now, we are not talking about, and please don't leave this week and say that we were talking about dropping out of life, and you needed to just drop off the radar, you know, you need to go off the grid. That way you can, we're not saying that. We're not saying you need to drop off the, off the radar and, and stop doing life. In fact, the complete opposite. Because everything that we're talking about is for the purpose of serving those around you for the purpose of developing and advancing relationships. We're talking about simply learning to prioritize our lives around something other than our own interests and our own needs. You know, there's another danger of being overly busy and no margin, no extra room in our life where we're reserving that for God. Here's another danger of that. Because being busy having our load that we're carrying equal the power that we have in our lives so that there's nothing left. That makes us numb to the leading and the prompting of God. Now, this is, this is a big deal. Um, we, we don't have time so frequently to listen. And, and we don't have time to hear from God. So we just don't hear from him, even if we're here. <laughs> so even what we teach here on a Sunday morning, it has a tendency, when we have no margin in our lives, it has a tendency to just bounce off of us. Because we're so busy in life, and it leaves us with no margin, we can physically be somewhere but not really there, because there's no margin here. 
if there's no margin in our lives, we usually don't have any margin in our thinking, in our, and, and so things just bounce off of us. So we have to seriously ask the question, is what we're talking about here on Sundays, is it interesting? Well, I, I believe it is, and we, do, we work really hard to make it interesting. So yes, I, I believe it's interesting, but when we ask the question, does it penetrate? So often, Cole, the answer is no, because... If it doesn't penetrate so often, it's because there's no margin in our lives. So it all comes to this point now today and this series to right here. We have invested in this month of December, these five weeks, trying to prove some things with Scripture, trying to offer some challenges, trying to offer some encouragement, and really each week offering you a new Christmas dare. And all of those were having something to do with this whole thing we're talking about of not me first, but you first, and becoming that type of people. And we said that Jesus has showed us how to step outside of our own wants and our own rights even and our own interests. And he showed us how to serve God and at the same time other people. But instead, as a, with an occasional act of kindness, but instead as a way of life. So here we land. If we are really going to do this in 2020, which when Paul says he wants us to, by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, those were his words, loving one another, those were his words, and working together with one mind and one purpose. If we are really going to do that, then we are going to have to, in our lives, Cole in his life, Harley in my life and in your life, we're going to have to create margin in our lives. And I think we're going to have to do it by this. And Cole already gave us a heads up on this. We've got to ask some tough questions. This is our Christmas dare this week. Will you ask yourselves these questions? Now, here's what I would like you to do. If you have a phone with a camera on it, if you'll pull it out of your purse or get it out of your pocket and go ahead and load up your camera, I'm going to ask you to take a picture of something in just a moment. Here are the questions. Taylor's going to have them on the screen for us. Is there an activity that I need to stop? That's the first question. Is there an activity that I need to stop? And we're talking about creating margin. It's not going to just happen. We're going to have to make it. Here's the second question. Is there a relationship or a friendship that I need to slow down? There may not be, but there might be. Here's the third question. Are there things in my life that need to be less of a priority? Now, here's what I would like you to do. Take a picture of this screen with your camera. It should show up pretty good. Your camera should focus on it because I want you to take these three questions so Taylor is going to leave it on the screen here for just a moment to allow you time as we're wrapping this up to take a picture.
screen so you can take it home. And these are the questions. This is the Christmas dare. Will you ask yourself during the week, this week sometime, these three questions? And it's really a conversation between you and between God. Will you have this conversation this week? Change, as Cole said, is tough. But if we want to serve God, and if we want to serve others, then we must develop and maintain margin, space, some empty space in our lives reserved to do just that. Now, will you join me as we pray? Father, you gave us these words. And God, we, we felt compelled to invest these five weeks on these 11 verses that you gave us in Philippians. And God, I, I just... I, I, I read these verses to you right now not to remind you of what you provided for us, but God, I read these verses right now almost as if to say, make this happen in my life. Make this happen in our lives. God, you wrote to us, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love, any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another and working together with one mind and one purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others, but be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have this same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took on the humble position of a slave and he was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and he died a criminal's death on the cross. And Father, you ended with these verses. Therefore, God elevated Christ to the place of highest honor and you gave him the name above all other names that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow on heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father and to that we say this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.